Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Grow With Soul. Today is a coaching episode and I'm talking with Carissa Tantum, an illustrator who lives near me here in North Wales. Carissa has a problem that I think we can all relate to and that is indecision. Particularly if she works on her business part-time, she finds herself spending way too much time researching and agonising over decisions as widespread as which print to list in her shop, how to spend her time and where she should invest in the business. In this episode, we talk through these situations and talk about tactics to overcome indecision. So let's dive in. Hi, Carissa. Hello, Kate. Thank you so much for coming along this afternoon to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Good. So for anybody who hasn't come across you, can you give us the story so far of, you know, what you do, uh, who you are, um, and the story (laughs) behind where you've got to where you are now? Okay, my name is Carissa and I'm an illustrator. I'm based in North Wales between the sea and the mountains. And I've not really had any formal education to get into illustration. It's just something that I've been doing the past um, three years. So it's been a bit of a windy road to get here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm also currently, um, I work in a, a tea specialist, which is my other passion. But yeah, back in school, I actually wanted to study to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> slightly different. <laughs> yeah, just slightly. So I spent sixth form like studying uh, biology and chemistry and doing uh, work education in hospital hospitals so a complete complete change (laughs) and last minute before going to university I just decided that wasn't the path I wanted to take and decided to just choose two subjects I absolutely loved which was psychology and English literature so I went off to university to do that and after three years still had no idea what I was doing (laughs) and ended up getting an au pair job in Paris which I did for eight months, but ended up staying in Paris for two and a half years, uh, which is where I absolutely just fell in love with art and drawing and using that as a creative expression. So then I moved back to Wales after two and a half years because my sister was having a baby and I wanted to be a part of that. And I took a one-year course. I went back to college to do a course in art and design because I thought this might be something I want Mm. to pursue. And my dad came with me as well, actually. (laughs) He's just retired from the RAF and he's always been uh, into painting. So it was uh, a group of 18 and 17-year-olds and me at 25 and my dad at 55. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was back in 2015, 2016, I was in college. And then the following year, I just decided to open up an Etsy shop with a couple of the drawings I'd been doing. So that started in 2017. So sort of two years now since I've opened it and it's sort of grown here and there and in ways that I didn't really expect. (laughs) Oh, so what, what sort of ways? I think I just... I set up the Etsy shop and just thought, oh, I'll, I'll sell prints. And I was using Instagram just to post some of my images. And then 
I, I started getting commission jobs. So it was more like working as a freelance illustrator, which I had not really set out to do. And it just sort of came along. Um, I, I remember I absolutely loved this magazine called O Cumley. I don't know. Mm, yeah. You know? I'd always said to my boyfriend I was like when you know in five years time when I'm really established I'm going to send them my portfolio and try and get to work for them but by the summer they'd sent me a message asking to do a, a commission project with them and I just I remember ringing him and he was like are you okay and I was like oh, <laughs> um, so yeah just it's been really like motivating actually to just like have these things come up that I didn't expect and that I didn't think I was ready for or knew what to do so it was it was really cool it's really exciting wow and so you're at the point now where you are running the shop part-time and doing you've got your your job in the tea company and and you're doing commissions and stuff as well is that right yeah that's right and is your aim to have the illustration more full-time or are you quite happy with the balance as it is I quite like the balance. I really love my job in tea. I just think tea is wonderful. <laughs> so I would never not want to do that. But I just feel like there's a lot of growth potential with the illustration stuff. I just love doing it. And I just want to move forward with it all and try and figure that out. <laughs> and I guess feel a little bit more kind of intentional with it all. And maybe more like you're holding on to the reins of making something happen than I've got my Etsy shop and putting stuff on it and I'm not really sure what I'm doing with it but (laughs) yeah absolutely not the sheer panic I get when someone asks me to do something like I don't know how to do (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) so yeah it's just getting a bit more sort of clarity and, and direction and I've got loads of inspiration it's not a lack of of wanting to do things or knowing what to do it's just kind of knowing what's the right way to go really well, that can almost be, having too much inspiration can almost be more of a hindrance than having none. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> you get that, you've got all these different options, you start to lose a little bit of sight of yourself and what you actually want amongst all the things that everybody else is doing. And you get that decision fatigue where you're making these decisions over and over and over and again, and there's all these different options. And it's it's something like we as humans we our brains can't deal with more than seven choices of something oh. which is when when you go into the supermarket and there's like a whole aisle of cleaning yeah. products <laughs> it's just like way too overwhelming so yeah having all those different options and all that inspiration is not very helpful actually <laughs> no it's definitely something that I see I mean you can see just my past career path how how much I'm faced with all these options and I don't know what to do so it's just yeah making the actual decision and not feeling overwhelmed and then just not not doing anything mm. instead <laughs> do you so in terms of looking at all those options and things is it something that you seek out so do you spend a lot of time looking at what other people are doing, doing some market research and looking at all the different options. Is that something you spend a lot of time on? Definitely. And I think that's possibly the problem is I've been like, right, they're doing that. They're saying I should do this. Oh, I can see they're doing that. Or maybe I should do this. And it's constantly like Googling or Mm. going on YouTube being like, oh, advice for how to do this best kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm getting a bit more clarity, I think. And I try and like rein it in and be like, no, I'll focus on this and this and this. And then more questions come up. So it broadens out again. And it's breaking it down into what's actually useful. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And and that's 
that's the thing is that doing research and looking at other stuff is a really good way to con ourselves into thinking that we're doing something productive (laughs) (laughs) and that we're actually doing work when really it's having a more negative effect because it's stopping it's not only are you not doing the proactive work in your business because you're sat googling stuff but also it takes you even further away from doing that stuff because it's adding in more options so what I always think with things like market research is to go at it really intentionally and and have a, a question to ask so rather than I'm gonna I'm going to research other illustrators or I'm going to look at this. It's I want to find a very specific piece of information and these are the places I'm going to go to look for it and I'm not going to look at anything else while I'm there. So very much kind of how-to stuff is quite an easy way to do that and and also to set a time limit on the time that you're spending because it can start to endlessly spill over. I have started trying to do that a little bit if like if I see my my day and I try and break it into hours and be like do this for an hour do this for an hour Mm. but then I kind of get lost in it (laughs) Um, Mm. but the thing I'm finding as well is that I'm spending all this time trying to work out how to do the marketing or this or that and then I get to the end of the day and I'm like I haven't drawn today (laughs) and that's the whole point of it all Mm. So in the time that you are spending working on the business how would you split it up into doing the drawing, doing the research, doing the marketing and admin and stuff? I would say, I mean, it really varies because it depends on if I've got any other projects on at the time. So sometimes if I've got a big commission project, I'll be drawing almost 100% of the time, but then every, you know, the Etsy shop will just get left mm-hmm. <laughs> unattended. Um, and then I'll just be keeping on top of things like packaging orders if they come in. So, but I think if I don't have a project on, then it's probably... I'd like to say a third on each, but I probably mm. it's probably a bit less on drawing than on the other ones. And I would like to to be doing about fifty percent of my time drawing, yeah. to be honest. That's interesting. Why do you, is that? Because the other stuff it doesn't come as easily, or is it more of a, a deprivation sort of thing that you don't see the drawing as important? I think it's because I guess drawing, if I take it from like a business perspective, is the is creating the product. Mm. So I. Th- feel like well I've already got quite a few I think I've about 50 in my shop already so I'm like well what's the point in creating more if they're not selling already so then I kind of think well I'll put a hold on that and it I think it's maybe a bit of a perfectionist tendency as well Mm. so it's kind kind of trying to make each listing look perfect do the photos perfect get the perfect SEO on it and Mm. things like that and I I do actually quite enjoy it I do quite learning about the marketing side of it so it's it's not a a burden but it it you can end up getting a bit lost down a down a hole Mm -hmm. (laughs) of research Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. And particularly because, as you say, the drawing is the product and you're kind of thinking of it as, oh, well, I've already got loads of other stuff, so (laughs) it's not as important. Whereas actually, it is the most important thing because even if you're drawing not to be selling it, but to just be practising your craft and honing so that future iterations of products are better, like it has to start with the product because... Yeah, you can have all the best marketing in the whole world, but if the product doesn't back it up, people still aren't going to buy it. And 
it's also the reason that you kind of started doing it in the first place is because that you liked drawing. So to try and make more time for that stuff is is important. But yeah, let's kind of dig into all the indecision stuff because I know it kind of shows up for you in lots of different ways. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so... Perhaps we can kind of run through a few of the ways that it is starting to show up. So as we've been talking about products anyway, so how does it kind of show up in the product sphere of things? Yeah, I think it's um, actually deciding on whether an image should be or will work as a product. I think because I'm mostly self-taught, I've, I've been on a bit of a journey the last couple of years. So I'll have old drawings that I've maybe sold a couple of times so I'll keep them up there and then I can't decide if I should or not or if I should make space for new ones and for me I'm trying to make it all kind of come together in a concise way so that as like a brand of a shop it, it all makes sense so it, it's making that decision over whether a product should have a place in my shop mm. or not, whether that's something from the past, maybe that's a part of my creative process. And even now drawings I make and I'm like, you know, what? I really love that. I think it would be cool as a print or is it a bit weird to put that <laughs> up as a print or maybe it should just remain in my sketchbook or maybe it's just for Instagram. So it's just making decisions based on the actual product and, and separating myself as the artist to the business owner I can find that a, a bit difficult to decide on and I don't know how to make that decision other than seeing and there'll be products that I absolutely love drawings that I love and I've sold one or two of mm. <laughs> so how do I make that decision over what's a good product and, and what isn't mm. yeah and that is interesting what you say about separating those parts of you because that reminds me of a podcast I heard with somebody called Amber Ray and she was talking about how we are the artist the editor and the agent but and we have to go into the right task with the right mindset so yes if you're going into selling as the artist rather than the agent there's a lot of emotions all wrapped up into it and you can't quite see clearly so it's actually stepping into a different mindset however that works in terms of whether it is literally having a day where you're the agent or if you have to go out for a walk and then come back to clear that headspace and come into a new one that's a very useful way of doing it but I think generally from hearing what you're talking about with the this indecision over the products is that it brought up a couple of things for me which is that it's all a little bit loose there's no kind of framework or process or almost checklist of things that something has to go through before it reaches the shop so every single time you're trying to make a really qualitative judgment over something that also is quite emotionally charged which is always going to be difficult decisions to make and and where you're coming from as well is very internal place of is this right is this wrong is this right is this wrong rather than thinking about who it's for and whether it is fulfilling a need or a demand for that customer base and also whether it is part of the brand you want to be creating so I know like you said about things that you really like but you're like oh does it fit is it weird if you have a kind of clear idea of what is what is my brand what do I stand for what are the things that I do then that becomes an easy tick 
again or cross next to something. But it's like every single time you have a new possible product, you're having to dredge it all up for every single individual print rather than already having doing doing the dredging once and then being <laughs> able to hold hold future products to to that standard. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think I really need to to find some clarity in in my why. Mm. <laughs> um I did I remember from your very first podcast when you say to ask the question five times mm-hmm. and I I get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I need to just dig. I get to like the second why and I'm like I don't know I just just want to make something Mm. (laughs) so yeah I think that's definitely one of the things that would help me to have that clarity and Mm. um, another another one with creating the products is it's really important for me to be sustainable it's a it's a big quality of of what I want my business to be so I've been experimenting with so much different types of paper (laughs) (laughs) the amount of money I've spent on paper is is crazy and it's making the decisions on that and what the strength of holding that decision is because I'll find a paper that is more sustainable but the quality is not as good as my current one which isn't as sustainable and it's making decisions on that as well and I guess having a very clear idea of my brand and what's important would help. (laughs) Yeah because if you can if that sustainability is a really clear pillar that goes through everything else in your work then the paper quality sort of becomes irrelevant because people people already know that you're using sustainable paper, so it's not going to be like if they buy a print from anywhere else and then that will be the reason that they buy it mm-hmm. rather than being in a situation where it's not all the messaging isn't quite as clear to other people and they're like, oh, well, why is this paper not like that person's paper? And, and bringing in that element of doubt Whereas if you can kind of front end that stuff, that makes it a lot easier to justify your decisions as well. So I think if you're struggling with that why, another way into it is to write down, I believe, dot, 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 and then finish the sentence or even just say it out loud to yourself mm-hmm. and not trying to think about it too much, just seeing what actually comes out and also thinking about the reasons why you want somebody to buy your work, why you want them to care about you Mm -hmm. and using it from that perspective to start to think about those things that are actually really important because, yes, it's very... And it's really the difference between your personal why, which is about making the work, and your greater business why of the impact you want to have on the world Mm -hmm. so thinking about it from that perspective and I know it sounds really big and glamorous and it's difficult especially especially with product business actually because you're not saving solving world hunger or (laughs) um, helping somebody build something but there is still an impact that you can have on somebody in a certain way so thinking about what that is so what that then will do is give you that benchmark to hold products against and then in terms of thinking about the customer is that anything that you've done a lot of work on um I wouldn't say I've done a lot of work on I definitely (laughs) have written a a customer profile and I definitely would say my customer is myself which is again why the indecision shows up because I'm like do I like this so I have looked into it a bit definitely but Mm -hmm. maybe I could do more (laughs) yeah I mean it's interesting if that's not 
helping you (laughs) and it might actually be that mindset thing again is if you're looking at it as the artist rather than as the customer side of yourself so I think it's really a case of learning what that artist mindset is and how you feel when you're in that place and then so that when you're making a decision you can kind of check in with yourself and be like okay this isn't the time to be making this this decision I need to go out for a walk first and come back refreshed because I'm not in the right place to be doing this right now um because yes um, many of us who start our own businesses do so because we are our own customers because we couldn't really find the thing that we wanted so we made it ourselves and we want to do things for people like us so that makes it easier in a lot of respects but harder as well because as you're finding like do is it just me that likes this or is it people like me that like this (laughs) um so to to I think to get a few other voices feeding in will be really useful so using things like your Instagram to kind of do some polls and some question stickers and even asking questions in your captions and things to just get a few more voices and opinions to either confirm what you already think or to just so you can imagine those voices when you're making those decisions too can be really helpful to stop you spiraling into second guessing yourself yeah that sounds like a good idea it reminds me of um uh, one of my friends when uh, she met someone and he said in his business he found it really hard to do the accounting side of it so when he was sending an email as the accountant he used a different name of someone called Mm. Loretta (laughs) so took on a different persona so maybe I need to uh, give myself a different business name (laughs) yeah I've heard of people who do that and they pretend to be like the manager or um yeah things like that when they're negotiating things because they feel like they can actually ask for what they want (laughs) yeah yeah. I think it's like stepping back a little bit because I think if I was if it was a friend of mine doing this I think I would have real clarity on being able to sort of advise them but because it's me in it it's kind of hard to um, make those decisions without any emotion (laughs) yeah I think aiming to make a decision without emotion you're on a hiding to nothing because we are emotional feeling beasts and we're not going to be able to turn that off. It's having an awareness of the effect that emotion is having and then almost thinking like, well, imagine if if it was a friend I was advising or imagine if this emotion wasn't present in this decision, how might I deal with this differently? And to to really think about the things that will are always your habits that come up. So in last week's episode, as people are listening to it, we talked about <laughs> the Enneagram, I've talked about Myers Briggs and things before. And so having a little bit of self-awareness over motivations, thought patterns and behaviours that you continually use in your life can be very interesting to to tune into those and then be like oh I know I'm saying this because this is one of my patterns that I always do so let me disrupt that pattern and think about it slightly differently yeah I've wondered a little bit if in 
I kind of associate myself with indecision. I'm a Libra, so I think I balance everything. So maybe it's just that I, I'm like, no, I'm an indecisive person. So mm. I can't make these decisions. Whereas I just need to kind of let that go and just. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the trouble. The trouble with self-awareness is it can become a justification for things yeah. rather than a way to deal with them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so if you feel like indecision is part of your nature, it's about then, and maybe even looking back to times where you were decisive. Mm-hmm. Like moving to Paris is a pretty decisive thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and moving back from Paris is a pretty decisive thing to do. And yeah. so to kind of channel that part of yourself and looking at the internal and external factors that happened in that situation where you, you bucked your trend and to find ways to introduce them into your decision making a bit more. Yeah. Tune, tune into Carissa that decided to move to Paris. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good Carissa as well, because that Carissa takes risks. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> they used to call me Carrie in Paris, so maybe oh. I just take on that persona. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, that's that's your kind of agent personality is Carrie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speak to yourself in French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit rusty. Um <laughs> I think another thing though that is showing up with the indecision is with having to spend money on certain things Mm. and how that plays a role in my indecision because it's like I only have a certain amount and there are so many options out there it's how to know make a decision on where to invest Mm. so what sort of things specifically is this coming up for definitely coming up for seeing courses online Mm -hmm. for helping me to like I said I I I kind of don't know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) so my only way to to work things out is is to learn and so I I look and I find these courses for example yours on the marketing and things like that but it's for me at this stage is is quite a big investment Mm -hmm. and it's making that decision whether that is where I should be putting my money or whether I should be actually I don't know paying for Etsy promotions or whether I should be spending that money on a product range Mm. it's kind of making a decision when things are limited rather than when there's too many (laughs) And, and so it's those about the personal development stuff more than for example buying loads of different types of paper yeah I know that's the funny thing is Mm. I don't kind of hold back on the paper the thing is it's like maximum 40 pounds on paper so it's there it's just when it's a a bigger investment and just being kind of brave enough to to take that step and I think it's when it's a bigger investment as well it's it's kind of me being like I'm taking myself more seriously exactly yeah (laughs) so paper is easy to justify because you need paper right but you don't (laughs) need a course and so it's something for you which always makes it a much harder decision whenever people get in touch with me and ask you know, should I do this course? Is it right for me? I always go back and say, what do you need? Like, what do you want to get from it? Because the whole point of everybody who sells courses, write sales pages and things like that to make you want to buy it. That's like the point. So you have to be able to kind of read all that and then again, come back to yourself and be like, right, what is the problem that I want to solve? And is what I'm seeing here the answer to solving that problem? Like, for example, mine, so like using Campfire as an example, if actually what you need is clarity around the business model and audience, 
yes, that's included in Campfire, but Campfire isn't going to be the best way to explore that. Whereas if you think, you know, I really, I've got all this stuff, I know I need to do it, but I need some accountability and just some tools to help me actually get on to start blogging, then that's what that's what Campfire will help you with. So it's getting really clear about what is the problem that you want to solve and is this thing I'm thinking about going to solve that actual specific for me problem? Yeah, and I think it then comes down to being like, well, I've got quite a lot of problems to solve. <laughs> Which yeah. one's the most important? <laughs> yes, exactly. And so this is the thing, is especially when it's marketing stuff that you think I've got all the problems, which one do I solve? And it's it, there's never just one to solve because once there's one, then there's another one that brings up whole new problems. So it's about where the kind of best efficiencies are. So if where is the most kind of serious problem? So the one where you have absolutely no idea at all where to start. Like actually, if that if you're not doing it so far, it's not having a massive bearing on your business Mm -hmm. because it's not a huge gap there. And the time, energy, money, it's going to take you to dig into that. If you were to put that into something where you were maybe 50% there, the effect that you'll have from that other thing is going to be much more than the one that you know nothing about. Does that make sense? Yeah, so if you're sort of like working on something and hit a brick wall, it's better to then look outside for help rather than be like right I don't know how to do this I'm going to find mm. something to help me um because if that makes sense <laughs> yeah so if you you're you either you're working along something and you hit a brick wall and then you need some help to take the next step up you're going from beginner to intermediate which means that the work you're going to do on that aspect is immediately going to be way better than it was before whereas if you're going from sort of no idea to beginner in another aspect, that's not going to have as much of a direct impact on your business. So if, if we're thinking about it in terms of aspects in business, it might be that if you've never done any blogging whatsoever, don't have a website, but you've got an Instagram, which is really firing along, directing loads of traffic, then perhaps putting some more energy into the Instagram than the blog and making sure you're driving stuff to Etsy is going to be a shorter term solution. Or even using, you know, rather than starting off on Instagram, maybe optimising your Pinterest in a much more professional way is going to drive way more traffic than starting out on Instagram for the first time. So yeah, it's always trying to think about those efficiencies and what the imagined output is going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that way of thinking helps as well, because I think there's quite a few things where I feel like I've got to that point where I've hit the brick wall and now I'm deciding to, to leave those things at the brick wall and start something new. For example, like Pinterest drives traffic quite well for me. So I'm like, do I advance with Pinterest or if that's, you know, OK, should I then start blogging? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So maybe it's more like focusing on no Pinterest is working. Let's make it work more and kind of leave the blogging for another time once Pinterest is Mm -hmm. amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And particularly because you don't have tons and tons of time because you're not on this full time and because your priority is to be doing more drawing rather than more learning about marketing it's going to be a much more efficient use of that time yes to to nail down the Pinterest especially 
because it's Pinterest and it it's a more passive than something like Instagram, that yes, rather than having all these different pots which are half full, having one or two which are full to the brim is always going to work better because if you're, you've got all these different channels where you're kind of half assing all of them, <laughs> don't really have time to do them all properly, <laughs> not only is that loads of stress for you, more decisions to be making on top of more decisions, when people find you, and there's a Pinterest that is kind of okay and there's a blog that hasn't been updated for a few weeks and there's an Instagram here and there's a Facebook page that's been abandoned. Like it doesn't feel cohesive and like a brand you immediately trust. Whereas if somebody comes to you and there's this Pinterest which is absolutely on fire and a, an Etsy shop where it's all the descriptions are great and it all makes sense and nothing else, it's kind of like, oh, wow, there's like, yeah, everything that I can see is on point. So that means I can, I feel more like I can trust this person because they're on point with their marketing. That means they're on point in the background. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a really helpful way of looking at it because it's like, it's better to be like, yeah, if I came to a brand and I was like, wow, their Pinterest is amazing. Wow, their shop is amazing. Oh my gosh, their uh, Facebook page is really weird and out of mm. sorts. It would, it would kind of throw you off. So yeah. Mm to be more direct in my uh, direction <laughs> yeah and it, the whole thing is you want you have to keep fulfilling the promises that you make so in every channel that you're you're on you're making a promise to people about who you are what they can expect from you and then you kind of follow through on that via consistency and then they trust you mm-hmm. if you have a beautiful instagram feed with all this amazing imagery and then it clicks through to a website which is like in pieces and the colors are all different and there's none of that you're not fulfilling that promise you made on the instagram and people just aren't going to trust you so you have to make sure you know when you're starting something it's like can i can i keep my promise here um can i show up the way that people will expect me to here and that's a good kind of rule of thumb yeah makes sense (laughs) I can feel myself getting more decisive. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's what we like. Yeah. And, and take away the options. Take away those options because that's going to be a huge cause of your indecision. If you you'll naturally find yourself to be quite indecisive, take away the options. I think that's a really big point for me is just to be like, nope, not doing that and just put it put it away. Mm. It's kind of like when you have your content buckets, it's kind of like I should have three or four that I just pick Pinterest, Instagram, Etsy or, or whatever mm-hmm. and just focus on them rather than trying to do everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, how does it feel to make the decision to say no to stuff? I, I think that maybe the feeling like I need to do some of that other stuff is coming from outside. Yeah. So it's kind of like reading things about marketing, saying you need to have a blog. Mm-hmm. It's kind of making me like, well, I need to do that. Um, and it's kind of like, actually, if I come back to myself and, and what I feel like doing, I don't really want to write a blog. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of half like, oh, no, I, I have to do that. And half relief <laughs> yeah. that I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I totally get that. And it's... It's A, being really curatorial about where you're getting that information. So there are certain people who will be creating content where they're saying you must do this. And actually, you're not the target customer for for that content. Yeah. Um. So that they're not saying to you to do that. They're saying to somebody over there who is a business coach to do that. So 
you've got to a look at is this stuff that I'm reading and I'm consuming actually aimed at me and my business because if it's not then the the vice isn't going to kind of stand on in the same way and yes every time that you read something it's how can I actually make this work for me and and to not assume that you're wrong Mm-hmm. especially because in marketing where it all feels like there's a right way to do it and it must be this and it must be that. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're wrong. You are still the person who knows your business the best, knows yourself the best, knows your workload the best. So you have to be able to trust yourself to say, okay, that's what they're advising and I understand why. But if I was to write that on a piece of tracing paper and put it over my business actually it doesn't fit it doesn't make sense it doesn't fit for what I need to do what my what my key problems are that's not going to solve it and so it's okay to let that go yeah and I think sometimes as well it's like I'm putting it aside for to do in in five years time if I Mm -hmm. suddenly you know I can change my mind about that just because I'm saying no to it now you know maybe in five years I'll be like no I want to write about drawing I'm going to start a blog you know Mm. so I think it's yeah putting things aside and and not feeling like that decision is final I guess that's the thing is that it's that finality of making a decision that I'm a bit afraid of yeah if I decide that what if it's the wrong decision Mm. yeah I I always think that it's nothing that it's not a life sentence like coming up with your why that's not a life sentence that's not your why forever and ever amen it can change it can flex and we're so used to through being in school and then being in employment that there's somebody we have to answer to and that it feels weird. We forget that the only person we have to answer to is ourself. Um, so even if we do make a decision that's not right, like the worst that can happen is that we have to kind of sit down with ourselves and review it and then and then change it. But it's not like there's somebody else who's going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. And it's very difficult to shake that feeling that there is somebody there who's who's watching over you yeah I think especially if you're being kind of visible like for example being on Instagram you kind of decisions you're making it does kind of feel like there is you know your audience that Mm -hmm. are are holding you accountable for those decisions but the reality is they don't know the depth of (laughs) it really they're just seeing the the surface so Mm. yeah I guess it's letting go of that yes and it that feeling of being seen and everybody's watching is a very real one. And again, it's coming back to think about your own behavior. Like when you are following people and you're part of somebody's audience and they make a decision and either it didn't work or they kind of say, oh, I'm, I'm changing this because it's not working for me. You don't think oh my god what a failure oh <laughs> how could they they oh, I'm leaving I'm not doing this anymore <laughs> it tends to be actually quite refreshing if you even really care or notice like you don't care what other people do with their businesses so it can be good if you are somebody who tends to need a little bit of accountability to have that thing of putting it out there to the audience and that kind of thing but really when it comes down to it they're not going to care as much as you do um, so that it's a omnipresent worry but one that again it's being a little bit more realistic about how how much people care <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely good so was that all your questions about kind of investing and that kind of thing 
Yeah, I think so, because I think the three ways it shows up have sort of all, all uh, been covered combinedly because it's it's about time as well, but we've kind mm. of covered that as well about just breaking it down into into simpler terms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and it sounded a little bit like at the, when you said at the beginning about how you write things down and then it all kind of starts to... that. <laughs> what you actually do overrules what you wrote down. Is that because you plan to do too much at a time? So you've written yourself like 15 things to do and then they never actually do it. Or or maybe that you're underestimating the time that it takes to do something. Or is it that you just get in a hole and completely forget your scheduling? (laughs) I think it's a combination of all three probably. Because I have um, like a to-do list document on my computer, mm-hmm. so I just put everything that's in my brain on there, and then mm-hmm. I'll just sit down and be like, right, how many of these can I cross off? And then sometimes I'll just completely ignore it and be like, right, I want to learn about this, and then I'll end up down a hole and nothing gets ticked off. So yeah, I think that maybe it's just a bit of an organisation issue as well. <laughs> well, it's uh, it sounds like by having a, that big document as well that you dip in and out of, that's more decisions that you're giving yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you're sitting down at the day, you're like, right, I'm going to have to sit here and decide which of these ones I'm going to do and then decide when I'm going to do them. Like already, you know, first thing in the morning, you've given yourself, you've ticked off some of those decisions. If you've got a finite amount to do in a day, you've already spent a couple of them up. So some things that I think I've spoken about before, but it's always useful is about having a themed day. So perhaps having an admin day or drawing day or things like that can help remove that extra decision-making layer. Doing your planning in advance. So whether that's on a Monday morning or maybe a Sunday evening, Friday, lasting on a Friday for the following week, to plan it all out then so that when you actually get into the work, the decisions are made, you just have to get in and start doing it. And also then thinking about those blocks of time, having some 90-minute sprints, So 90 minutes is the amount of time people generally say you can work productively without taking and then you need a break. Um, So splitting it up into maybe 90 minute sections and having three or four of those a day and filling those might be useful. And then also prioritising that to-do list a little bit, which might be another decision. But um, (laughs) if that helps to be able to think I'm going to do one high priority and that's that's all I need to do and then these other ones it's kind of like I can they're not as important because that can sometimes be difficult when you've got all these to do's and they all have equal weight in there it's kind of like should I do this or should I do that whereas if you be like I'm going straight and I'm pulling out one of the high priority ones and I'm doing it that can also help definitely I think that's another thing I struggle with though is I'll be like I need to learn how to plan. How do I plan better? <laughs> I get lost in like trying to be able to plan better. <laughs> mm, yeah, and, and planning, oh, it's one of those things that we just want somebody to tell us how to do it and we want to download a template, but like it just, what works for somebody else is not going to work for you. That's something that I've definitely found, especially because in marketing departments and stuff, you have templates and spreadsheets and things like that. And Everybody has different ways of doing it and it's just so difficult to work within a template that isn't what your brain (laughs) works with. Definitely, Um, and I've never worked in that kind of an environment. I've always worked in hospitality where you just 
you show up and you just have mm. to do what's what's shown you know you don't have a to-do list it's just mm. this customer comes in you serve them so it, it's but you of... have a process there mm, yeah so you're used to working within processes mm-hmm. so that might be a way a way around it is that it's less a kind of here's the spreadsheet here's the template but maybe if you were to flow chart something that might be an easier way to get your head around it does that make sense so is that kind of like say if I had one thing on my to-do list to actually like break it down into how I would how I would approach it yeah I think it's if you're th- worrying about I need to know how to plan <laughs> yeah. it's looking at how you do it because in hospitality it's not like there's no planning that there are things that happen at certain times and you need to get certain amounts done before you open and certain amounts done before you close and all that kind of thing so it's it's taking what you do there and applying it to the context of your business Mm, yeah that's a good idea because I'm just trying to think of like how we would set out the week and so you'd have like say a cleaning rotor for the week for Mm -hmm. example maybe I should just give myself like a weekly thing of like rather than mop the mop the bathroom I've got (laughs) you know edit an Etsy listing yeah sort of you know have the same thing every week almost Mm -hmm. like that could work that's a good idea (laughs) yeah so look at all those places where you you do get things done Mm-hmm. And how can you replicate that? Because it's the ways in which you do it more naturally mm-hmm. that that really help. You've got to work with the way that you naturally think about things and process things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I think maybe I've like come into into it and been like, no, I need to be this kind of person because yeah. this is the kind of person that that works in that way, and I'm I'm not that. But maybe I can just readapt it to myself <laughs> that I am so glad you said that that because that is so true that we all I'm gonna be a business person <laughs> and that means that I do this this and this and I'm gonna be the sort of person who wakes up in the morning and does like two hours of yoga before I do anything and it's giving yourself that grace to be yourself and to work with yourself rather than against yourself all the time yeah, I'm always so happy when you say you like to sleep in in the morning because that is my <laughs> one like thing. I'm like, oh, I should be getting up at seven and I wake, get up at ten and I'm like, oh, God, this is not what a successful business person is. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, Kate's doing it. <laughs> Kate's still in bed. Yeah, so th- thanks for that permission for the lion. <laughs> but no, I, I think... Yeah, we all do it. We all beat ourselves up because we're not living up to that morning routine of successful people that we've read or things like that. But we have to do what works best. And I mean, I have like, even yesterday, I got up early because and I like drove my boyfriend to work because he was on the breakfast shift and I was like I'm gonna drive you to work so that I actually get up but then I ended up just like floating around in a sleepy state until the time I would have got up anyway so you can force yourself to do stuff but it's it's still not gonna work for you no no, absolutely Um, so yeah. yeah And when those people that, you know, get up at seven o'clock in bed, that's when I'm most productive. So at like between like 10 and 2 a.m. I'm working away and they're sleeping. So mm. that's that's permission as well. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's also just remembering that you're running your own race and that yeah. as long as you get done what you need to get done, it doesn't matter when, where or how that happens. Mm-hmm. But obviously you want to be a little bit efficient about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, as if you're getting the things done you need to and you're moving you feel like you're moving in a different in the way you want to be going it doesn't matter if that's different to somebody else yeah and I think it's the patience as well to to let it happen 
slowly rather than be like this is what it should be like now Mm. yeah and because it's a very online thing that we think all the most obvious all the kind of loudest stories are the ones about people who had these overnight successes and that we think it should be really really instant but at the fundamental base of business is that it's a human to human interaction and in order to have that there needs to be trust and in order for trust there needs to be time like you don't just trust someone immediately you spend a little bit of time getting to know them and whether you want to spend your money with them so it that time has to happen there are things that you can do with marketing to to sh- increase that time or to speed it up but it, there still is time that needs to pass before certain things can happen so patience is good and less time spent looking at other people and researching stuff (laughs) (laughs) and just get on with it (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah because it like we said that that's really the only thing that makes the difference is there are people who do this do the stuff and people who don't do the stuff that that's literally the only secret there is <laughs> doesn't matter what template they use doesn't matter what time they get up but they actually just do the stuff yeah absolutely I saw a good I think it was like a meme on Instagram or something with a, a bar chart and it was like the work you do when you think it matters and the bar was full the work you do when you don't think it matters the bar was full and the work you don't do is just like nothing mm. <laughs> so it's like it's just about actually doing the work yeah in, in whatever way that shows shows up mm-hmm. so Good. So how are you feeling a bit about your indecision now? (laughs) Yeah, a a lot more positive that I can make some decisions. (laughs) And um, yeah, just a bit more clarity on where those decisions actually need to be made Mm -hmm. and just driving my focus a bit Mm -hmm. bit more in the right direction. So yeah. Yeah. And give you, go easy on yourself a bit. Like we said, no decision is for life and you don't have to fit somebody else's format you can you can be yourself you can do things and you you have the power to do this and yeah kind of step into that power a bit I guess and not not worry so much about getting things wrong or doubting yourself just know that you you have the answer yeah absolutely and I guess that's the the reason we work for ourselves so that we Mm -hmm. we don't have anyone else saying you've made the wrong decision it's just like oh well (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah Good. So I must ask you the last question, which is, how do you grow a soul in your work and life? So I think it's kind of something that's come up a little bit in what we were just last talking about, about sort of remaining human and doing things wholeheartedly and um, just sort of step back from what you are doing and question it and and ask why and what the motives are and and make sure that's coming from a, a good, authentic place, both in work and just in how you spend how I spend my day. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, if, Chris, if people want to connect with you, come and say hi or see your work, where can they find you online? Well, I'm probably most active on Instagram. So I'm at Carissa Tanton. So it's C-A-R-I-S-S-A and then Tanton's T-A-N-T-O-N. And then my website is www.carissatanton.co.uk and you can link to my Etsy shop through there if you want to look at any of my prints. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks so much, Carissa. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) All the links we mentioned will be on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Carissa on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she's at Carissa Tantum. As always, if you think you have a friend who maybe could benefit from a little bit more decisiveness, please do send them the link to the episode and share where you are listening to and your thoughts. And until next time, 
I hope you grow a soul.